Welcome to Business Notes. I'm your host, Diane Bogino. Our guest today is Trish Jenkins. Prison was not on the goal chart of successful entrepreneur Trish Jenkins. Conned by a fraud and a breach of the Corporations Act meant losing her multi-million dollar portfolio, including her family home. As a result, Trish served eight months in prison. Isolated from her family and surrounded by criminals, Trish could have succumbed to despair. But sometimes treasure is found in dark places. Refusing to remain a victim, Trish became a motivational speaker on change, resilience, and leadership with her own Trish TV show, podcast, and ministry. She is the author of two books on fraud warning signals in finance and relationships and one documenting her prison experience. Today, Trish is talking to us as business owners about the three areas we need to investigate before making major financial decisions. Trish, thank you so much for being on Business Notes today. I have been looking forward to this interview. Oh, Diane, it's a thrill to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And I should tell everyone that you are in Australia <laughs> with this I accent. I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah, g'day, everybody. Because <laughs> next to my southern accent, there's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> I love that southern accent. Yeah. So tell our audience how you, um, well, a little bit about, about your background and how you got your expertise. Well, Diane, it's a bit of a journey. I'll, I'll make it brief. But um, in the early noughties, the 2000s, uh, my husband and I were into uh, buying real estate, putting it up get the equity, get another, and, and doing investing. And, and I was also working for a fellow who ran a mutual fund. What I didn't know is that he was a crook and he was stealing investors' money in what's known as a Ponzi scheme, which many of your um, audience may know that that is where they take your money for an investment, but they don't really invest it. They steal it and they just keep giving you a little bit of it back so that you think that it's working. But the problem is that more people come in, they've got to get more money in to be able to sustain long term. It's what Bernie, you remember Bernie Madoff, uh, he went to jail. You guys put him in jail for 150 years. That's impressive. <laughs> because 140 is just not going to do it. You know, <laughs> so, we, don't, we don't fool around here. <laughs> you don't fool around, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, I didn't know he was doing this and my job was to make sure people got paid. I was paying them each time. He was releasing money for me to pay them and then suddenly he stopped paying and uh, people were coming to me, where's our money, where's our money and um, I, I didn't, it was just really hard because things were tough and, and you know, people started to get um, frightened and worried and, you know, frightened people are frightening people and they can be very threatening and I just couldn't tag it anymore and I said to him look I've got to give them some money what what can I do and he's I said I've got money here can I give them that he said yeah give them that so I paid them that and I didn't steal it but what I did was not in the right way to do things what I did was a breach of the corporations act now as often happens this it, it imploded. He was reported to the authorities and they shut everything down and went through everything. That's when I found out that he had stolen all the money. Diane, I threw up for three days straight because my money was in there, $104,000 of our money. Our family's money, friends and so on was in it. And it was just a disaster. I couldn't even look at my children. 
it was just so horrific. And uh, I was in breach of the Corporations Act. So not only did we go through a liquidation personally, uh, I was charged with fraud. And in 2009, I spent eight months incarcerated. But during this journey, I oh know that's a big one to swallow. Pause, let that sink in. But during the process of the liquidation, I, I, I had to find, I thought, how did I miss this? How did I miss this? And I'd been to um, a talk where someone was giving on um, fraud and it was a, an investigator who does this, you know, investigations. And, and I was talking to him and I was so passionate about his services that he hired me to promote him. I said, don't talk to anyone until you talk to this guy. And he said to me, look, um, I wish people knew this stuff because it wouldn't happen. And I was, I wanted to write a book. I thought the way to get over this is to find out what could I, what have I learned that might help other people. And that was kind of therapeutic for me to learn how I missed it. And he said, this book you're writing, can you write it for women? Because by the time they call me, they can't afford me. So he helps me write this book. This first one was for women, uh, Dangerous Wealth, What Every Successful Woman Needs to Know to, to Avoid Being Ripped Off, bit of a mouthful. I've since written a second one for fellas, for the men, so they don't miss out. And it's what I wished I'd known. If I'd known these things, I would not have got ripped off and I would have kept my fortune. So that's what I do now is I speak about that and also about the prison experience and, and how to be resilient through tough times. <coughs> There we now, go. I, I know audience members are thinking, well, that could never happen to me, but what does make us vulnerable? Thinking that could never happen to me. <laughs> Seriously. Right. That that really is the first the first thing um, that that does make people vulnerable. Um, it's Often we think because I'm clever, it, you know, people who are smart, they might be smart in finance, they might be in medicine, they, you know, just because you're brainy doesn't mean that you're invulnerable to trusting someone clever. These people, they're called con artists, it comes from the word confidence because they win your confidence. If you're basically a good, honest person, you don't operate in a world where people are constantly lying to you you don't you don't expect it if someone tells you that you know their job is that um you know they're a school teacher you don't question it you go oh yeah which school they'll tell you oh yeah, okay and and they're probably telling the truth they have no reason not to but these people they will often infiltrate organizations like churches or rotary clubs or um associations and they build relationships and they win trust and you see, when we trust someone, our defences are down and we don't ask the same kind of questions that we normally would if we were handed a prospectus, you know, and, and, and we didn't know the people. So it's not just people who get uh, emails from Nigeria. It's usually people who we would have considered a friend or even a romance. Mine wasn't a romance, but, but that's one of the reasons where in my books I very much go into relationship fraud because when we give our heart, we give our trust and then we want to actually help the person and invest in what they're doing. That's what makes us vulnerable. 
Yes, yes. So in the introduction, we talked about uh, three areas that uh, you say we need to investigate. How do we go about doing that? Okay, so now here's the thing. Your accountant will tell you to examine the numbers and verify the numbers. Check licenses. You know, that's that's the thing. The three areas are the deal, which is due diligence. Everybody will tell you, investigate the deal, you know, the real estate you know, is it a, is it is it zoned correctly? You know that sort of thing. The deal. You need to investigate the person. You want to know everything about that person that could be pertinent to their decision making in a deal. And in my books, I go through checklists of questions you need to ask. Things like, um, have they been involved in lawsuits before? Have they been in trouble before? How do they speak about their ex-partners? Do they speak with bitterness and anger or do they play the victim? Do they do they take responsibility for their part? You know, I mean, you, you can't judge someone completely for having been through legal action. My goodness, I know about legal action. But how do they frame it? And can you verify their side of the story? So you investigate the deal, the person. But you know what's really people have just, it doesn't even occur to them. You investigate yourself. You need to know what makes you vulnerable. What are your triggers and hotspots? Uh, for example, if you have a weakness for a certain type of person or even a certain type of charity, okay, what they do is they will listen to your conversations. Particularly women, we, we can be very self-disclosing because we like to be chatty, but they're very good at drawing out and listening to what you're interested in, the sorts of hobbies you have, what are your passions, uh, particularly um, people of faith uh, or people who are very much about charitable work. You know, their heart is, you know, that they, they want to give. And so then the other person will talk about the giving that they've done or the charity work that they've done or the orphanage that they that they volunteered at in Zambia. You know, that and, and you'll go, wow, wow, what a great person, what a great guy, what a great lady. Um, or, you know, with women often they'll they'll play the, the lady in distress card about how badly they've been treated and they just they need that knight in shining armor to, to help them and and they just need a little help with their their legal expenses from their last relationship and and so you've got to know your own heart and what to protect and what makes you vulnerable because that's that's what they'll what they'll tug on yes absolutely and I suspect they uh, dig into your fears as well, so they can Ooh, leverage those. Very much so, very much so. Your politics as well, you know, mm. that, like all of that stuff, they will align themselves and use the language that your culture uses. Yeah. So in your books, you cover both financial and romantic fraud. So why would you include uh, romance in a business book? Uh, how do they relate and where were you when I needed you? <laughs> well when we give our heart we give our trust and we want to help the other person and what these people do that that is their avenue for getting in 
to getting your personal fortune. And the the second biggest target for fraud is single women over 40. The biggest target for fraud are baby boomers. Okay, because they're after your retirement money. Yeah, yep. Now you think very often someone has been married or in a part, you know, they've, they've had their divorce, their kids have left home and say tip, now this is a man as well, but very often say with a woman, she will think to herself, you know, she has her crisis, the breakdown, the tears, the, the whatever they do. Uh, and then it's like, I've got to do something for myself. I'm going to rise up now. So they read the self-help books, they get into the groups, they get fitter again, they get healthy, they get some goals, they start a little business and they find themselves again and they start getting some success and some confidence and they have this success and then they realise I'm lonely and they want someone to share it with. And men are in it when they're single, they, they want a partner. You know, it's all very well to, to play the field, but at the end of the day, everybody wants someone to love and share their life with. And that, when you want it, when you want it a lot, it makes you vulnerable and, and you can not use the filters. Because you're lonely, you may not use the filters that you normally would when you don't need it as much. Whoever needs the deal more <clears throat> is at a disadvantage. But it's not just romance too, Diane. It can be a friendship. Mm -hmm. it, it can be it can be a relative. Ugh, that's really awkward. Um, you know, I, I really don't recommend going into business with uh, with family and friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but uh, nothing ruins a friendship more than money. And uh, you know, it, it, it's just messy. Mm -hmm. And that's why you need to have checklists and questions. Now, I can't I can't promise you won't get ripped off. I can't promise that. But what I can do is minimise the odds. And I've got checklists, lists of questions you need to ask, specific ones, uh, things to look at. It's not exhaustive. There'll be other things that I haven't thought of. And, and in our modern world with the internet, you know, we, we, you know I'm, I'm pretty good at stalking my, my, my daughter's friends and, and uh, romantic interests. I, I find out very much about them and their extended family and so on. And <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've probably stayed out of a lot of deals that would have been good. I've probably missed out on making some money, but I know I've, I've avoided and sidestepped a lot of dodgy ones that I've been able to recognize straight away. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Better yeah. safe than sorry, for sure. Yeah. So how can we get over or, or get past, you know, loss and move forward? Oh, look, look, there is a time to grieve. You know, it, it is okay, absolutely okay. When you lose a loved one, you grieve. When you lose, you know, sometimes people who say, oh, it's only money. But, you know, it's your blood, sweat and tears that went into that. And then there's that self-recriminate, how did I miss it and beating yourself up? And so I don't, I don't recommend beating yourself up. But I think you have to let go of the pride that says this shouldn't have happened to me because, you know, I'm smarter than this. How did this happen to me? because we can be angry at ourselves for missing it and realize that you are only human, that if, if that person can get deceived, you can too. And you're deceiving yourself if you think you, can, if you, if you, think you can't be deceived, you're deceiving yourself. 
uh, be gentle. And at some point, though, what you need to realise is that it is true. It it is it is money. Um, and I want to be gentle with this because people can be very brutal when they, they talk about just get over it. it. It's not a matter of just getting over. Um, what you do need to do, though, is review your values about what's really important in your life. And what I realised was important, and for me, what I was losing was not just the investment, but everything we had was liquidated and paid they liquidators pay themselves their hourly rate while they're going through your books until there's nothing left. So we lost the investment, then we lost our homes, our, everything that we had, including where we lived. Uh, and I thought to myself, I have a husband and three little girls and I am not going to lose my marriage because I know when there's, understand being aware of what can come under attack when you go through a crisis do not turn on those you love in your temper tantrum don't do it you think well they love me they have to stick around they don't and they may not don't expect that they have the metal to do that if you're having a crisis i would drive to an empty car park late at night and scream in my car and cry out to God and pray. How did you let this? Why didn't you talk to me a bit louder? You know, and I uh, <laughs> went through all that and ended up just going, yeah, okay, it was me not listening, but and missing it and forgiving yourself. You can find a way to forgive yourself. Certainly, your partner, if your partner is the one who lost the money because they were the enthusiastic one for the investment, that's a tricky one. That can really hurt your relationship. My husband never blamed me. He knew I'd been deceived and he had thought the guy was okay too. Um, but it was my decisions that did these things to us, even though the other fella had. And I had to separate and own what was my failure and what was theirs. Because I carried the guilt of everyone else losing money as well. And I had to stop that because they made their own decision. Uh, and then, yes, when you look at your values, Realize that everybody gets a turn at tough stuff. Everybody gets a turn at something. Some people face cancer. What would you like? Would you like to swap? Who would you swap with? No. Everybody gets a turn at adversity. It's called life. But the important thing is to learn from it and look forward. If you stay dwelling on it and getting resentful and festering, you, you stop your brain from being freed up to look for new opportunities and That's for other true. things for you to do. You've got to look forward. And this is the same when you've had a different kind of adversity. You can stay in it or you can look forward to your future. Uh, <laughs> I, I made some notes and I said, stop feeling special. <laughs> You're not special. Look, everybody's special because everyone's an individual like everyone else. But you're not so special that you get to miss out. <laughs> and I don't want to put fear in people, but really you're not that special. We all get a turn at something and it's how you respond that determines how well you go on, which is why I love the motivational speaking I do on resilience because 
it's about getting up again and moving forward. Yeah, you can't wallow in victim thinking. You just can't do it. You'll get nowhere. Um, mm. I, I want to ask you that first day home after prison in your own bed and you opened your eyes that morning, you must have thought you were dreaming. <laughs> what went through your mind that day and what were some of your first steps to get on the road that you're on now? It's funny you should say that about dreaming. Um, I, I came home and it was kind of surreal. And I would actually dream that I was still in prison and not supposed to be and trying to tell the guards, the officers, I, I, I'm not supposed to be here and they were ignoring me and then running through corridors trying to escape and then having that panicked feeling of, but if I escape and they catch me, then I'm going to be here for longer and, and having that, it was like I was having a panic attack in my dream. And then I would wake up in the night with my heart thumping and shaking and sweating and, and, and my husband would hold me and soothe me and I'd breathe again. And it was like I couldn't fit in my own skin. I, I thought I would come home and everything would be fine and we'd all live happily ever after. And I ended up getting some counselling and uh, the psychologist said, you have PTSD and you'll never get over it. You've just got to learn to live with it. And I said, no, <laughs> that's not for me. Now, I, I had to accept that I, I did have it and I learned processes to overcome it and I don't have it anymore. I did get past it because of what I've learned over the last 10 years about being resilient and reframing how I think things and finding the blessing. You'd be surprised at how much blessing there is. Uh, in, in an adversity but I came home and I wanted to go to bed for the rest of my life I just wanted to pull the covers over and just stay there but I had a husband who had stood by me I had three little girls my eldest was 10 and I have identical twin girls who were seven at the time and they had been without their mummy for the best part of a year in grade school they deserved for me to get better they'd been punished enough because you know it's not just you that gets punished when you go to jail the whole family is 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 made to be punished yeah. so you have to lift up self-pity is your biggest enemy you need to be ruthless with self-pity absolutely ruthless tear it out by the roots and be thankful for what you do have and do everything you can to get well and if you're a faith person you have that extra dimension in your faith uh, and uh, when I was talking about getting over things um, when you've had losses for the faith person and this is not for everyone else for the faith person you've got to repent of that idolatry that idolatry of finance it's an idol and and you need to repent of that so your heart can get right and get your priorities right so right before we free one just for them <laughs> Well, no, that's good because uh, I, I want to, that leads into my next question before we get to your books. Uh, just briefly tell us a little bit about your ministry and who you serve in your ministry. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, you know, faith people, Christians love a good redemption story. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the death and the resurrection. And, yes, I am. I mean, how embarrassing is this? 
you know, I didn't come from a criminal culture. I didn't come from a family where, you know, Uncle Joey's back in jail for drugs again. It, it just wasn't my world. Um, um, pastor's kid? Yeah, <laughs> even more embarrassing. Leader in my church. Oh, it was so humiliating. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny now. It wasn't then. Um but there's the thing, you know, I did have a lot of support. I had people writing to me to encourage me. I did hold on to my faith. And when I came home, there were people that I'd stayed connected with who said, please come and talk to our group about how you coped and how you managed. You didn't throw away your faith because some people do. You know, it gets tough. So they go, no, blow you. I'm out of here. <laughs> but, you know, I... And, and when I was in prison, I wrote journal entries and letters to my friends and family. But in the journal entries, that's where the real gritty stuff happened, where I did business with God. And uh, that one's called Treasures of Darkness, um, A Prison Journey. And if people would like to, I, I've got a couple of YouTube channels, and on one of them, I'm actually reading aloud from my book. But uh, if you can get my book from my, both all my books from my website. But um, I was asked to share about what God did in that place and uh, I wasn't Mother Teresa I wasn't Florence Nightingale I had my tanties I spat the dummy oh you don't say dummy you say pacifier we have this expression I spat out the nah! but I learned to forgive on a scale on a daily um, it was just I, I teach workshops on how to let go of that stuff and and um, find intimacy intimacy with God there and I don't care what denomination anyone's from. I'll tailor my talk to be what, what we have in common uh, and how your faith can be strengthened even through adversity. But sometimes we think if we're good, good things happen, and if we're bad, bad things happen. It's, that's wrong doctrine. Stuff happens to everybody now. If we're stupid and foolish, more, st more stupid things happen. But uh, we don't get a free pass till we're on the other side. So um, we've got to live with this stuff and go through it and grow through it. And, uh, you know, my little girl, I mean, if nothing ever happened, how could we be of any service to anyone else? And one of my little girls, she was about nine at the time, I think, and she said, Mum, I wish this had never happened to our family. And I said to her, I said, Felicity, look, at your school, there will be children who maybe their daddy doesn't live at home with them. There might be kids at school who somebody might be touching them in a way that they're not supposed to. There'll be kids who don't have a very nice lunch because that's all they can afford. And if you only ever had good things happening, how could you be a friend to them? You now know how to put your arm around that person, that friend at school and say, I know how, a little bit about how you feel and you can encourage them and give them comfort. If nothing ever happened, how would you be of any use to anyone else? And she went, wow, mum, that's right. You know, this is how we grow and we become compassionate human beings. Right, absolutely. That was, that was well done on your part and uh, she learned a big lesson, I'm sure. So all of your books, all three of your books are on your website, correct? Yes, speakertrishjenkins.com and then it's just the store. Yeah. Okay, and you have two YouTube channels. 
Yes, so the YouTube is just uh, youtube.com slash Trish Jenkins. That's my business YouTube channel. But I also have for ministry, I have Trish Jenkins Faith. If you Google me, they should come up. Uh, and the one that is uh, the faith one, I've, I've got my ministry work and also um, a, what do you call it when you have them all in one, you have them in sections. Uh, oh, the uh, playlist? Playlist, yes. There's a playlist where I've started reading aloud from my book. Don't let that put you off buying the books, though. Uh, if, if you if you get the books from my website, then I can shoot you a little email and say hi and and greet you. Whereas if you get them from Amazon, I don't know who you are and and it's you know, that's it's right. Not you don't class. know who buys your book. No, but right. I will have them drop shipped from within. I have them made in America too, so I'll have them drop shipped to where you are. That'd great. be fine. Save a little postage there. Yes. <laughs> That's great, Trish. What an inspiring message. And um, I wish you well in all that you do. And I hope that you inspire as many people as you can. I know that you will. And uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much, Diane. It's been an absolute pleasure. And it's just so worth it. Thank you for watching Business Notes. We've been speaking with Trish Jenkins, successful entrepreneur, motivational speaker on change, resilience, and leadership with her own Trish TV show, podcast, and ministry. I'm your host, Diane Bogino, bringing you business ideas you can bank on.